You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. Should we get the almonds? I have them. Okay. Oh, okay. Trouble in Turkey will put wasabi powder on your hazelnuts. I'm Alex Rosenberg. I'm Justine Underhill. And this is The Knock-On Effect, the show that starts with the thing you know and ends up in a strange place. So we're, we're, I don't know, I think we're cheating because we're starting with this. If you count the summer interview series as an episode, we're starting with the same thing in two episodes in a row. Ah, but it, it counts because we're. this is a little different because we are going to a much stranger place than we did last week. Yes, because, sure. because Ral is uh, thinking about the global economy and ultimately what it'll mean for 401k holders and for potential retirees. And I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat on my nuts. So, you know. Wasabi. Both both high-minded, uh, both, both you know, two great minds really just with, with different. Yes, there you go. Different. Uh, Viewpoints. Sure. So, um, yeah, just to review, I mean, the, we are recording this on Friday, so the situation in Turkey could change. But... The basics are the United States government has begun to impose tariffs on Turkey, uh, on, on Turkish metals, uh, in retaliation for uh, the imprisonment of a pastor. And, you know, in general, Turkey has had a, an authoritarian government for a long time. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say authoritarian government. I say I should say that the president Erdogan is making authoritarian uh, moves and, and has, has consolidated his power su- substantially. And he's been installing uh, family members in charge of treasury and finances and really high cabinet positions. Yeah, and he's also exerted a lot of control over monetary policy in yeah. the country. And and so, you know, Turkey has built up a lot of international debt, and it, it has a lot of uh, uh, what in the old days was called hot money, where, you know, money from international investors would rush into a country, and and then it can rush out. And that's what we've seen. We've seen the, the Turkish lira fall massively against the U.S. dollar at, at, as international capital um, bounces. And this is happening for quite a long time. I mean, so it's not like suddenly, you know, we've been reading about this for the past few weeks, but really this this was sort of building up all year long. We saw the decline in the Turkish lira happening, you know, well before. Right. But, but there was a sharp and very sudden move as the international community sort of reacted to these, to these tariffs and perhaps... I uh, thought, you know, we've been a, a bit maybe profligate, if I knew what that word meant, uh, mm. or how to say it, in, in lending to Turkey. So, you know, it, it's sort of a sort of a, a bit of a herd behavior, I would say. Sure. 
Um, and, and of course, you know, it, it's, it's self-accentuating, right? Because as money leaves Turkey, more money wants to leave Turkey. And uh, and that has, um, as long as it's not going to affect, that has impacts on all sorts of other emerging markets um, and frontier markets and China and South Africa and all these other currencies. So Turkey imports a lot of the, a lot of their food, a lot of their, you know, soap and shampoo and a lot of their basic goods, um, which is only natural. But as the lira loses value, it costs more to, to buy those goods. You know, so the Washington Post, for instance, talked to one person who's a Syrian refugee in Turkey, and he's sending money home. And now you can no longer afford to send money home. So it's it's not a it's it's not a fun or or, or, or funny situation in, in Turkey by any means. And, and I, I don't want to make light of it. But on the positive side for Turkey, this does help export. So anytime a currency, your currency, uh, declines in value. People from elsewhere probably want to purchase more of your products because they're cheaper. And so that's an important um, dynamic that happens anytime your currency falls. So it, it might be tough, but there's also a win on the other side. Yeah. And, and you know, that's been the, the charge against China for so long that they've devalued their current, you know, it's right. the extent to which that's true. I, but, you know, whatever, that's the charge that people make. Right. China's weakening their currency so they can ship things uh, better. And and it's a thought, just as a little side note, that uh, the yuan has been weakening. And so it's potentially a way for China to retaliate, another way for them to retaliate against uh, the tr- tariffs. Sure. So, so and, and, and we will actually get back to China in a bit because everything <laughs> seems to be that, – that U.S.-China trade flow is like – so powerful. All roads lead to China. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so let's talk about those exporters. Um, Turkey does, ex- you know, rugs are a big thing they export. Uh, yeah, what is that market? Yeah, it's, it's you know, Turkish rugs are, are very popular and and all over the world. And, and so rug exporters are probably going to have, have better times. Um, hmm. Normally, the... Uh, metals producers would have better times, except that they are actually the subject of this tariff, so that's not going to be so good. Um, hazelnuts is, is where we're going here because Turkey, and I did not know this before I, I started researching, Turkey produces like 70 to 80% of all the world's hazelnuts. Which is an insane figure. I mean, if you think about it, I guess, I mean, for every jar of Nutella <laughs> yeah, um, I eat, um, probably a lot of that's coming from... Turkey. And I would say I am a fairly large consumer of, of hazelnuts. Um, and so it's just crazy to know that uh, the production is so incredibly concentrated. Yeah. And so for, 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 for how, how, how do you say that? Ferrero Rocher. Okay. Ferrero Rocher, which is which creates Nutella, you know, there have been news stories about them trying to diversify beyond Turkey because as Turkey becomes more authoritarian and more, a bit scarier to do business with, they don't want to be only dependent on this one country for this huge product. And Nutella consumes like a quarter of the world's hazelnut supply. So Why is production so concentrated? I mean, and this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. We, we, we talked about vanilla in a previous episode yes. and how that's highly concentrated in Madagascar. Um, it just, it seems kind of crazy how concentrated some of these food productions are. You know, I didn't tell you this, but while I was shopping for... Uh, some of the goods that, that I'm going to talk about later at a, at a spice store nearby. Uh, a woman was on the phone realizing that the vanilla she had was actually from Indonesia and not Madagascar. And she was ripping the labels off and relabeling it. Which what? It, it was like the, a real life knockout effect. Wait, she was ripping off labels? Yeah, because the labels were wrong. She's like, oh, so I didn't realize they were from, oh. it's actually from Indonesia. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, um, I mean, 
Turkey is a natural producer of hazelnuts. A lot of the cultivated hazelnuts that we grow in the world originally came from Turkey. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know much more than that. I, I, labor's not particularly expensive in Turkey. That might help. But, but I think it's just, a, it's just a really nice place to grow hazelnuts. Wait, so where else, where else is it? Um, Thank you for hazelnuts? the setup. So, so number two producer of hazelnuts is, drumroll please. It's my drumroll. I, I think James can add a, a better one in later. Okay. I couldn't have guessed it, but after I read about it, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the the land of Barolo, uh, Barbaresco, and, and Truffles also makes hazelnuts. That, the, P- the Piedmont region of mm. Italy produces a third of that country's hazelnuts. But in general, Italy is the second biggest producer of hazelnuts. Other producers that I have here are, are Georgia, Spain, Azerbaijan, and Iran. But the third biggest producer is the country we're sitting in, the United States. Ah. And all of our, well, 99% of U.S. hazelnuts are created in one state. Which is crazy because why, again, it's concentrated even within the U.S. Yeah, well, well, this is a, this is a state that's also also wine producer. Um, I think some of the most exciting wine in the country is from here. Known for their Pinot Noir, of course, I'm talking about the great state of Oregon. See, I feel like it would have been easy to go with California there. Yes, yes, but, uh, oh, but right. I'm more excited by Oregon wines, personally. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, for, for some reason, Oregon is just a very nice climate for growing hazelnuts. Um, mm. And actually, it's the same It's the same part where they grow the wine. It's the, it's the. I used to call it the Willamette Valley. I believe it's actually called the Willamette Valley. Uh, yes. it, it's um, also, I feel like it, it makes sense that they would produce a lot of um, hazelnuts. It just seems like sort of an offbeat <laughs> thing that Oregon would produce. Yeah, yeah, totally. And actually, we're going to, we're going to get into... California versus Oregon shortly because there okay. are some interesting cultural differences that might have led to differences in the markets. I, I should just note that, you know, we're talking about the potential impact on prices. It's actually not just ab- academic. Um, there's a, a new story in industry publication said the whole hazelnut market is in flux because of the Turkey situation and that the domestic prices in Turkey have been stable, but prices are falling in the international markets since hazelnuts like oil are traded in U.S. dollars. That's a pretty crazy fact. What? That all all hazelnuts are traded in U.S. dollars. Yeah, so well, in the international market, dollar, it makes it... dollar hegemony. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, that's, you know, if you go back and listen to our last podcast, that's sort of what, what yeah. we talked about with Ralph. Well, little did you know that the hazelnut market is affected by that as well. Yeah, right, right. Strong, strong, strong dollar could lead to lower <laughs> hazelnut prices, Yeah, I think. So they're facing pressure from a bunch of... Yes. Ways. Yes. You're, you're you're keeping me on track. So so in terms of uh, in terms of, of Turkey, I'm I'm just gonna I have a little quote here from Terry Ross, who's the director of the Hazelnut Industry Bargaining Association. Of course, that's a thing. It's a man with a particular set of skills. You can go with him and bargain in any bazaar in the world as long as hazelnuts are around. Yes. So he told the Capital Press uh, the tumbling value of the lira. Has, could have the same effects as, and I quote, 65 to 70% of the world's hazelnuts going on super sale. That always sounds like a good thing, but I guess for them that's a really yeah, terrible well, thing. Yeah, it, well, hey, this is, this is like gets into the crux of trade wars. I mean, lower prices are good for good for yeah. consumers. Um, I don't know. Just when you put super in front of anything, it just sounds a oh, little sounds, more exciting. Sounds, it sounds fun. Um, yeah, so, so the other, other issues, though, for those Oregonian... Oregonian? Yes. Oregonian... Hazelnut producers are what's going on again in China. So China has hiked their tariffs on hazelnuts. Um, they used to have 
a 25% tariff on in-shell hazelnuts, 10% on shelled hazelnuts, also known as kernels in the industry. Oh, do you know the other word for hazelnuts? Another good, good trivia question? Acorns. No. no. Filberts. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Actually, I think that's the more farmy term because when I emailed a farmer, I was like, I asked about how many hazelnuts he grew, and he's like, well, we just started growing filberts. I feel like he was kind of correcting me. Oh. Yeah, See, so all this hazelnut knowledge. Yeah. Um, I do want to say they kind of do look like tiny little acorn nuggets. Yeah. I'd actually call them nuggets. Sure. Sure. So, so uh, as I was uh, saying before, <laughs> I don't know how we got into this. Oh, yeah, I was, I was dropping some, some, some filbert knowledge. Uh, 20, <laughs> doesn't filbert sound like an off-brand Dilbert? It's like... Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. hazelnut Dilbert. So, so 25% and, and 10%, those, those tariffs have been hiked to 65% and 50% respectively. So that, that's part of China's retaliation on U.S. tariffs. Yeah, I just remember when they released that list, it was like hundreds of items long. And so I guess hazelnuts was one of the obscure things that was on there. You didn't make it down to the, to the seventh I page. did not. So the bigger issue, so these are near-term issues. The long-term issue is production. In 2017, Oregon, well, uh, or, by the way, hazelnut harvesting season is just about to begin. So uh, so plan your trips to Oregon, oh, folks. no. I think September 15th is like the peak of hazelnut Harvesting. Harvest. Huh. But um, in 2017, Oregon harvested 31,000 tons of hazelnuts. It's expected to harvest 56,000 tons this year. 2017 was kind of a bad year for hazelnuts. Okay. Hazelnut trees, they often have one big year of production, and then they kind of recover in the next year. Big year, next year. Big year, next huh. year. So, uh, anyway. Wait, so it was what in 2017? Uh, 31,000. Okay. Expected to be 56,000. By 2025, forecast is for 90,000 tons from Oregon alone. Wow. Wait, so 30,000 30, yeah. Yeah. to 90,000. Right. So that's tripling within a few years. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a huge increase in acreage. 70,000 acres are planted. 31,000 have come between 2012 and 2017. And it takes a bit for these trees to get up to, up to snuff. Wow. So there's like a huge amount of land and a lot of, of these filberts that are expected to come to their prime very soon. Absolutely, absolutely, and and we've we've seen big money come in. Other producers from across the world, farmers saying, "Let's go to Oregon and make some hazelnuts." Why? Yeah. So it's it's so we'll, we'll kind of skip ahead a bit, and be, and because it hazelnuts are, it's actually fascinating how hard hazelnuts are to find. So I went to CVS. I found they had twenty to twenty five kinds of almonds. I asked, the, I asked the store manager, I was like, do you have hazelnuts? And he was like, yeah, I'm sure we have them somewhere. And he was going through the nuts. And he went, I was like, you know, he tried to go into the back. He, they do not sell hazelnuts. And he was shocked to find, figure this out. Because almonds and hazelnuts, it's like, okay, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. If do you have a strong preference for one over the other? You know, I associate hazelnuts with chocolate. So I think I would always go with hazelnuts. But that's only because of my association with chocolate. But And yet they sell chocolate-dusted almonds at CBS. They do not sell Chocolate-dusted hazelnuts. Right. So so there's kind of a thought that hazelnut production is going to ramp up. And, and I want to actually dig into the almond industry specifically, which is down a few states south in, in California. Mm. Yes. A few states or no, just one state? No, just one state. You, your geography's so off. Bad geography. So so they ha- there are 11 different flavors of almonds all made by the same company, Blue Diamond Growers, which, um, you know, I, I, I have some of them here. Uh they had habanero BBQ was one. 
Um, this is a fancy gourmet one, pink Himalayan sea salt. Uh, you know, they had salted, you know, unsalted, very salted wasabi and soy sauce is a popular one. Dark chocolate. It's crazy. You can get any flavor of almond you want, pretty much. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like this almond is kind of goes with the health food trend, something that we talked about previously in yeah. terms of almond milk yeah. and the soaring popularity of that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going after almonds. Almond milk, also driven by... Uh, driven by Blue Diamond. When, when I went to, to Fairway, another store, they had many, many different kinds of almond milk and no kinds of hazelnut milk. Hazelnut milk is, is good, too, by the way. It's fine. I've never had that. I've had it. It's, it's okay. Okay. So, yeah, it's sort of like uh, hazelnuts are getting left behind. They really are. I mean, even in the uh, mixed nut mixes, there's, like, only one mix that had hazelnuts. So then why is it that almonds are so incredibly popular? Right. This is, what, this is, this is where I was going. So a lot of it is due to this one cooperative, Blue Diamond. So... In 1910, this is just an amazing history, 300-some 300, uh, 300 California almond growers basically designed this cooperative to, to, to jointly you know, finish and um, market their almonds. And now the uh, California almond growers still own uh, Blue Diamond Growers. It's, it's a cooperative. Unlike, uh, by the way, Diamond Foods, you might have heard of, kind of was originally a cooperative and then it, it went private and then they added a whole accounting scandal as part of going private. They, they were a, a walnut producer, but I don't want to get Diamond Foods is separate from... Separate from... Blue Diamond. Blue Diamond, yeah. Okay. I don't want to get too far afield, but, but what Blue Diamond has done is they've lobbied for free trade for nuts around the world. They've they've popularized the snacking of nuts. They've been very successful in Japan. They, they've made different bars, chocolate bars that appeal to different countries' tastes. Could you almost call them like a lobby for the almond industry? It, it's a mix of a lobby, a processor, and and a, a, a marketer, a seller. Because this is, I mean, this sort of um, brings back memories of the cheese industry, you know, where they, they were trying to push cheese into all sorts of different things. Absolutely. And so here we have maybe this almond lobby. Um, and so in secret ways, they're trying to push more almonds on us by making them in all sorts of tasty different flavors. And yet, it seems the hazelnut industry... Needs one of these. Yeah. So and so now they they have one. There, there was actually recent, oh, they do. So this is so it, it's called the um, Hazelnut Growers of Oregon, and they've joined up with another group called Wilco. They need a catchier name. Yeah. Uh, so so Wilco, uh, not the Jeff Tweedy led band, but but another group that they they joined forces. Wilco is sort of has has been marketing and, and processing these goods. Yeah, and so in addition to partnering with Wilco, these hazelnut growers have recently built a 120,000-square-foot processing plant to make market value-added consumer products. And the guy who runs Wilco, the, the organization that's, that's working with them. Market uh, value-added? Yeah. So so it's here, here's how, the, how the, the guy who runs Wilco explains it, according, uh, quoted by the Pro, uh, Portland Business Journal. Got to read that every morning. Yes. Value-added is instead of selling an ingredient or whole nut – it's taking that kernel. Remember the the jargon. That's that's the, the filbert. Yeah. Well, get right. The kernel is just n- not inside the shell. Oh. It's taking that kernel and cleaning and roasting and packaging it, and selling it as a consumer product. If we stay in the commodity nut business, either in shell or selling as a commodity to big companies, we're just playing the price game. And he talks specifically about Blue Diamond. If you looked at Blue Diamond and all the different products almonds are in today, that's the direction we are headed. We're not looking at products that have never never been produced before, we're saying, what are the top items nuts are in? And let's produce those types of items. That's what the consumer wants. Wow. Um, he, he called the, the $20 million plant a investment for the future. 
and said, we know there is a lot of hazelnuts in the ground, and those nuts are going to need a home. So... That is a weird thing to say. <laughs> so, so, so the idea is instead of, you know, competing with Turkey, and, and, and so, so, so basically you see now why the supply is growing because the supply, the supply is growing as part of a anticipation that hazelnuts will become more popular. And it, also we need hazelnuts to become more popular to, to, to save the, the existing growers. Right. But, you know, a, a, again, I always joke the show is called On the Margins, really. On the margins, what's going on in Turkey, you know, the, the more that Turkey can reduce their prices in the global market, the more Oregon will need to do something else. And and I really do think that in the next, you know, five years, 10 years, uh, you'll go to a supermarket and there'll be, you know, Oregon chocolate hazelnuts and it'll be, you know, branded a funky Oregon way yeah. and it'll distinguish it from the commodity. Because like the, the hazelnuts I bought for our show, I... I asked her, are they from Oregon or Turkey? And then the woman had no idea because they're, they're just not sold that way. They're just a total price commodity, and it's only driven by the price alone. So they need huh. to go the extra mile, just like Blue Diamond is doing. Right, ones. and have sort of a marketing campaign. Yeah. And, you know, actually looking at the popularity of almonds, I see no reason why hazelnuts wouldn't be oh. as popular. And on top I asked the checkout lady, what, what do you prefer, almonds or hazelnuts? She goes, ah, that's a tough one. What I do don't you prefer? Know. Uh... I don't know. I thought it was hazelnuts before this episode. I think almonds. Almonds. Okay. Here's my. Here's the problem potentially for the hazelnut growers. Sure. Almonds might be a little more malleable. Hazelnuts have this kind of delicate floral flavor. Uh-huh. Almonds are a bit more like. Okay, we're not. You know. Ah. Well, I will also blunt. say the hazelnuts that Alex purchased for this episode were a little bit stale. So yeah, I think were. there might be something problem with the storage. They were you should by the way if if you, if you want to check out a taste test where we see what the Oregon growers should use, we tried them in chocolate. Those that was really nice. I mean, it needed more sugar, but of course yeah, you think everything good. needs more sugar. Everything needs sugar. Yeah. But uh that it was really nice with the cocoa. It was also really nice with this something called popcorn butter that you add to make Popcorn tastes like movie popcorn. Yeah, there's all sorts of different flavors you can add to it. Paprika was okay, and then the bay leaf was not so good. I know. Bay yeah. leaf was disappointing. But, I mean, it does show you that you all there's all these different toppings and flavors. I mean, if you're having, like, habanero and barbecue almonds, like, there is a huge potential industry for flavored hazelnuts, wasabi hazelnuts, Absolutely. to bring it full circle. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so, th- so that's my point. Is that, and then I, this, this, I think, is kind of real. Like, I, I think that... The more trouble, because Turkey does dominate this market, the more trouble happens in Turkey, the more people will say, you know. It'll put we, more pressure on the hazelnut producers. To make wasabi hazelnuts. And, and that is, like, even though, even if there is a huge amount of um, hazelnuts coming online or, like, a huge surge in hazelnut production, I do I still see this as an industry that one might want to look to invest in. I mean, just looking at the popularity of almonds, absolutely, this is a hugely growing, and there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, and and you don't have to just go to Oregon, by the way, like, um, parts of Canada are looking at um, huh. growing growing hazelnuts, uh, and in Oregon, farmer uh, big farm companies from the Midwest are making their way to Oregon to grow to grow these filberts. Or you, maybe you could even start growing your own. Get in on the business. Get get, get in. Well, the, the thing is, the investment. So, I mean, I, I could talk about this forever, but the the Canadian uh, Canadian farmers are being convinced to grow it because you can apparently make ten times more money on hazelnuts. But it takes a long time to adapt the field to grow hazelnuts. It takes huh. like 10 years for you to, to make the investment back. Wow. Well, so going, slow moving. But to go big picture here and to back out a little bit, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, 
you have all these different ways that this could go. I mean, you have the usual ways of, uh, you know, there's issues with Turkey's currency, you know, that has um, leads to issues with China or the dollar or other currencies, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's one, I guess, unusual way that this impacts. And, and you mentioned oriental rugs. There's all sorts of other. Ooh. Oh, is that not? Uh, That's still a term. I don't know. They are, that is the name of the rug. <sighs> <laughs> I'll I'll let it pass this time, counselor. I swear. All right. I'll let it go. I think we should wrap it up here. Okay, fine. All right, good. All right, thanks for joining us. Um, we have a new episode every Thursday. And if you want to watch the video, check out realvision.com slash knock on effect. You can also sign up for your 14-day free trial. Yeah, go check it out, and we'll see you guys next week. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.